find me on Twitter at fat underscore lobster. And I'm joined by two guys who have resorted to making TikTok videos. What's up, Chuck and Gene? Uh, hey, Dave. Hey, Gene. This is Chuck Siders. You can find me on Twitter at Chuck Siders. You can find the show at Potadelphia. And um, I don't know how to make a TikTok video. Um <laughs> I didn't know how to make a Vine either, so I'm more likely to make a TikTok video. Although I don't think I'm nearly as clever. All the TikTok videos I've seen have been pretty good, mostly because I haven't searched them out. Uh, and this is Gene Zilek. You can find me on Twitter at Producer Gene. And I am Team Boomerang, um, which I don't know if you can use that on TikTok or not, but I love those things that go like back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. <laughs> okay i think Back you're seeing the good the tiktoks chuck because you're not seeing them on tiktok you're like people are pulling them from that platform and going like look how great this is yes that's why i think i'm seeing i think yeah. you know someone else is doing the filtering for me yeah I, I think we're probably best to keep it that way and i think potadelphia does not belong on tiktok <laughs> no potadelphia <laughs> does not <laughs> all right we have uh we have a little bit of uh, sports to talk about. Woo! Yeah, so football free agency hit, and uh, some interesting things happened. Uh, some interesting things happened to the Eagles too. So, what's the what's the big news? I think the big news is that Malcolm Jenkins is now a member of the New Orleans Saints because we didn't resign him. Essentially, it wasn't a trade, so I, I guess we we decided not to pick up his option if I remember yeah. correctly. Yeah. And um, he was able to seek employment elsewhere. And he went back basically to his old job. Yeah. For like not much more money. No, it was, it was less than 10 million a year. I, I, I wonder if the problem was more that how we didn't want a lot, like have him on the team for longer than a year. Uh, I, I'm not sure what the, what the issue was. Uh, I think more than anything, I think he wanted more security, like a longer contract. And I don't know that Roseman wanted to give him longer than than the extension. So, uh, how how problematic is this for you guys? It's not great. Um, he was one of my favorite players on the team, if not my favorite player. And I saw a lot of people comparing it to letting Doc walk, which is hard to say. <laughs> um, uh, to letting Dawkins walk. And while he didn't have as big a footprint on the city as Dawkins, you know, he he is a leader on that defense. He's a leader in that locker room. And I don't think that could be undervalued. I mean, it's it's not the same thing. It's not the same thing. But I think with the whole coronavirus, we just see the value of leadership every day. You know, it's something that's intangible up until decisions need to be made they need to be made definitively and whether it be on a corporate level a state level a federal level there is a whole bunch of people going oh we'll just wait it out and i think we've seen bad results there and while that's an extreme example i think it's a true example of what leadership does and jenkins was a leader on this team you know, who would who would say are the leaders, Jenkins and Wentz or Wentz than Jenkins? But it's those two at the top. Yeah, I mean, and now some other people are going to have to step up. You know, I think I think you could find leadership from guys like Lane Johnson. Um, 
but on the defensive end, that it, that is a bit of a different story, particularly in the secondary when it's yeah, like who is the guy in the secondary? That's a that's lot of young good. guys, you know. And you, now your longest tenured guys in the secondary are Russell Douglas, who they've been shopping, uh, according <laughs> to some rumors. Yeah, and um, and the and the gremlin, like those yeah. are the guys that are oh, your long tenured, you know, guys in the secondary. I, I my take is clearly the. Howie Roseman is 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 really serious about getting younger. He evaluates Malcolm Jenkins on the uh, post peak downside of his career. I yeah, guess if you're looking at the parabola or the the arc or whatever of his of the performance, I think he's just past the the peak, right? Like right. it's just starting to go down. Um, and it's not at the part where it's like a precipitous drop right away, but we could see that in two years. I also don't think he plays a position where you're going to necessarily see that precipitous drop. Like if you were a uh, a wide receiver, let's say, uh, where you could see a guy go from, you know, very productive to non-existent very quickly. Right, right, um, right. But uh, I think that he was a productive player. I, I My thought is uh, – this has been the MO of this team is that they do not value uh, secondary play. They, they believe that that is not something to invest high dollars, contracts, years, all of those things in the secondary. Um, and, and they want to get younger there fast. They've always wanted to stay younger. They want to, they want to be molding and, and talent and having it, peak while they are under some sort of team control, I guess. Uh, it's an interesting strategy. Uh, it's hard to knock them being that they're just three years off of a Super Bowl win. Uh, you'd like to extend them some credit, but you know, having good secondary play and good defensive line play is clearly what they go for. Um, so uh, let's see, they, they made some moves to kind of supplement him going. It's not that they st- they let Malcolm Jenkins walk and then didn't do anything. Uh, they they brought in two other players. One they clearly coveted uh, last season and didn't get the deal done, apparently, according to um, the player and his agent. Um, so we'll see. They are kind of rebuilding the the secondary. I'm really curious to see what happens in the draft now because I, th- I feel like you, um, you've now created some spaces where you're going to want to try and bring in some some prospects, some people that can contribute fast. And I think the best way to do that is to draft well. And this is like in a vacuum, the right strategy, right? This is what you always want to see happen, where by the time some people are on the downside of their career, you want to see them walk away or be let go or traded before you start seeing the ill effects of age. You know, so if he goes off and has a great season in Denver, or well, in this case, the Saints, a great season in New Orleans, and then is done the next year, you don't lament, you know, you don't lament the one good year lost. You, you celebrate, you know, the three bad years that he would have been under contract. And you hope that you're smart enough to evaluate talent to go, here is his replacement. You know, maybe not next season, you know, maybe not this current season the 2020-2021 season um maybe the guy's not ready this year but 21-22 he is that's the right strategy it's just it's disconcerting if you don't have faith 
they're going to be able to, you know, promote from within and have, you know, a a young guy who can do the job. Well, I mean, that's that's the plan, but you know, no plan survives first contact with the enemy. Um, hey, if if Malcolm Jenkins doesn't like make that hit on Dalvin Cook in the Super Bowl, do the Eagles win the Super Bowl? It's hard to say. I'd say probably not, just because of how close that Super Bowl was. You know, at points it seemed like you know last team with the ball was going to win. Right. Um, like if one thing that happened didn't happen, we lose the Super Bowl. It'd probably be like two things, but you know, it right. depends on the one thing. But that that Jenkins hit, you know that. That's up I, I there. In, think, in Eagles, yeah, it's in, up in there. Eagles it hits history, wouldn't you say? Uh, I would say, but I don't have a great memory for this kind of thing. I mean, t- just moment alone. Oh yeah, no, gets oh, it up there. It's one of the highlights of the Super Bowl. Yeah. You know, all right, throw away the the Philly Philly or the Philly special, and throw away uh, Brady dropping their version of it. Right, right, right. And the last second Hail Mary. And the strip. And the grand grand, strip. strip There's a lot. That was a great. I mean, like, completely completely unbiasedly, that was one of the greatest Super Bowls ever played. Did you see ESPN today did the Brady Marathon? What is a Brady Marathon? They showed all the – I thought they were showing every game, but I guess they showed the – NFL films highlight. Oh yeah, you know half hour th- of yeah. all six Brady Super Bowl victories. Oh, they did you watch the O five one? Because that's the, that I, the only I had watched the the O five Super Bowl and then didn't refuse to watch anything one second of that game again until I guess it was like two thousand. Yeah, I guess they would have. Did Brady win that Super Bowl, Gene? Uh, no, the videotape did. <laughs> whatever i I was just basically like this is a huge advertisement to get me to not watch espn today yeah (laughs) but i i have to go back to the you know 0405 super bowl um because i can't say i didn't watch you know another second after it was over i like many people played amateur detective to see if McNabb really did throw up on the field (laughs) and he did he totally did like it, it's clear as day. You don't have to be like amateur Sherlock Holmes to have figured that one out. To okay. Buns much... tells me he did, then he did. That's all I need to know. <laughs> to I don't need any much... other. I don't need any other evidence. Yeah. I know that it happened. Um, okay, so what else happened? Uh, so we signed a cornerback, the guy from Detroit. I'm, I'm I did not. I did not, yeah, I do not have. I do not have uh, names in front of me, so I'm going to rely Darius on Darius Slay. Yeah, um, great name by the way. It is sure. The thing that was interesting to me was there was this weird kind of I don't want to say backlash. That's not the right word. But all of a sudden there were some local reporters that started uh, passing around or, or posting this highlight package of him basically getting torched. Um, but honestly, right. like when I went back and rewatched them and, and you know, to, to to be fair, there were some other people on Twitter that were like, if you actually watch his positioning in these plays um, – He's in the right spot. You know, the coverage is good. The the receivers just make great plays. Um, So I think there's something to be said for that, especially the way that uh, the the, the game is called now. You you can't play that Jalen Mills, 
blanket coverage down the field and not get called for pass interference every single time. We know that better than most people because we watch Jalen Mills every time he gets called for a pass interference. Um, the reason why he's only good inside the inside the red zone is because he doesn't have to try and keep up with anybody. Uh, so this guy seems like he's in the right position. He's He's got excellent footwork to me. He's always got his body turned uh, in the right way to be able to like make an interception or, or make a play on the ball, uh, where our uh, current cornerbacks often seem like it is their back that is the ball is, is, is heading towards. Uh, so just the fact that the front of his body is usually facing the ball when it's thrown, um, that seems to me like you're a better cornerback than what we already have going. Um, and then we also got a a safety from Denver, who yeah, is Parks. apparently a big hitter. Yeah, he looks like he's a guy that knows how to to lay a stick on somebody. I I don't know if he's got the other intangibles that uh, Malcolm Jenkins has, but uh, he's a guy that looks like if Schwartz wants to blitz him, uh, he's going to be able to lay a stick on somebody. Yeah, and he's he's from the Philly area, and he took uh, I think he took less money to play for the Eagles. Yeah, apparently he went to I think Germantown High School or something. That sounds right. Yeah, is he the one who's uh uh, uh doing the Kobe tribute? Yes. Yeah, I think he is. Okay. Yeah, so what's like, that? The he's Kobe wearing 24. Okay. I mean, it would have been my guess, but I that didn't yeah. hear it. Yeah, you I don't think you're allowed to wear 8 out on the on the sides. I think you got to be a punter. Oh, it's like a number restricted by the position. Yeah, I, and I don't know if that is that really the is that just it tradition? Be a quarterback to wear eight. Is that just tradition or is that a, a, a rule that like you can't wear? It, it might be a rule because the yeah. officials need to know. Yeah, like that's how they can call like illegal man down. But I don't know. I don't know. I kind of feel like it is actually a rule. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Aguilar is going to Vegas. Unlike Aguilar. <laughs> No, Aguilar is going to Vegas. I, uh, I know. I know, I know, I know. I know. <laughs> uh, but so, all right, are you in the camp of the look? No, because I've seen a lot of this on Twitter and Facebook and stuff like, hey, Nelson, it's been, you know, it was a tumultuous four years, but you were great in the Super Bowl year. So thanks for the memories. Or are you like, fuck out? Fuck out of here. Fuck him. He's dead to me. You baby dropping motherfucker. <laughs> I don't think I could say it better than that, honestly. Well, I talked about it on the show before. You know, it's like whenever we as Philadelphia fans try to do the right thing and and um, show, I don't know, take the high road. We'll we'll call it with the faults and with um, Alshon and everything. We get burned. So I'm not taking the high road this time. Beat it. Well, at this point, we, if, if we're going to get like the stereotype is going to we're going to be uh, if we have to wear the jacket anyway, we might as well like be proud yeah. to be in it. You know what I mean? And, like, like Raider fans. You went from the whole Antonio Brown crap and now you got Aguilar. Yeah. Coming to town. So yeah, enjoy that. I can't. I bet you Gruden's going to love him. <laughs> yeah. And but we gave him his chance. You know, it was. You know what? Give the guy some time. Give the guy some time. He's he's earned it. And then he squandered all of it. So see it. I mean, know? how is like every pro player in the NFL not like, yeah, this is a guy that doesn't play. Like <laughs> this is the guy that's not going to like lay out for it. He hears the footsteps. Yeah. Even in the desert of Las Vegas, he's still going to hear the footsteps. <laughs> Have fun, car. Good luck throwing that. 
<laughs> I, I don't know. I Wait, don't... is David Carr their quarterback? Yeah, it's Derek Carr. Derek, Derek Carr. Derek Carr. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, anytime I heard Carr, That's I think like, of the Texas. It's old his younger Texans brother, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's his little brother. Yeah. yeah. Little okay, brother. that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. uh, all right. Any other Eagles stuff you want to talk about? Um, do we do? Are we out, totally out of the NFL? No, you want to talk about Brady? That was what I wanted to talk about. What What are you guys' yes, thoughts you about? Uh, what are you guys' thoughts about Tom Brady and his his big decision? And why didn't he choose some sort of gym in Florida to make it? <laughs> I'm I'm t- taking I'm taking my talents to outside or Orlando. Like what do you, what do you say about Tampa Bay? I'm Take taking my, my I'm taking my talent near Clear Clearwater. <laughs> I, I don't know. I I think it's cool. Like I think it's really good for the league that this is happening. Um, I'll definitely be curious to watch this happen. Um, but I, what I'm really curious to see is like how what happens to Belichick with this. Because I I feel like Belichick. You know my stance on Belichick. He's a cheater. Yeah. He's a fraud. And it's not, it's not, it's, it's been Brady the whole time. Is that what you think? Yes. That's my, that is my, that is my position on this. I would love to see Brady take this Tampa Bay team on a run. Would you, yeah. would you take the Patriots to, the, to win the division or the field? Ooh. Um, who's got to think Patriots? Buffalo's right there. Buffalo, the Jets, the Dolphins. That's it, right? It's really Just, Buffalo. You'd have to... Yeah. I, I don't know. The Jets might not be bad. The, the Jets Dolphins, are going to be bad. The, the Dolphins are, are terrible. Bad. The Dolphins are three years away. But I don't know. I, I think I, I, I think I might still take New England. Hold on, wait. I'd the Dolphins the are field. three years away from what? Like relocation? <laughs> 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 They're three years away from nine and seven. Mexico City J- Dolphins? <laughs> I don't. I would take the field. I, in all honesty, uh, I'm not a believer in this team without without Brady. So, so you don't think you don't think Belichick goes back to the Super Bowl and and puts out the double middle fingers? Who are they gonna? Who's gonna be the quarterback? I, ben Simmons wants Jameis Winston. Why not? Not Ben Simmons, Bill Simmons. Uh, yeah, I was actually gonna clarify that. Thanks. I was gonna be like, what, what does an Australia a tall Australian know about football? All right, that's our, that's only the second time I've done that on this show. <laughs> I, 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 it's not a bad thought. The guy is out of a job. I was thinking more Belichick should go after Cam Newton. Um, I think that's another guy that might need a job. Uh, that's a funny situation, too. Yeah, or or maybe, you know, does he rebuild a guy like Mitch Trubisky? Yeah, but the, the, uh, the Panthers are like, yeah, Cam Newton requested a trade, so we're trying to work that out. And Newton's like, yeah, I didn't do that. Yeah, I don't. I don't want to yeah. <laughs> trade me to who? I don't want to go anywhere. This is my house. I, just I don't, don't know. know how Cam, how Cam Newton would work, and you know if Cam Newton can be Cam Newton in New England and the Patriots thrive, then I'm going to give a lot of credit to Belichick. Well, I mean, Belichick is. It's not like he hasn't taken guys with egos before. He had Randy Moss, who might be one of the most infamous egomaniacs that have ever played in the NFL. Oh, I'm not saying egos. You know, I just saying playing style. He's a a different kind of quarterback than 
you know Belichick has had for the last 20 years yeah but he's he's got a lot of miles on him now and I think that he might need to start to uh rein in his uh his tendency to not read defenses and 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 scramble around but I It'll be, it would be interesting to see what what Belichick would do with a different style of quarterback. But he's got to he's got to get somebody that's on the market. There's not a lot of guys that are on the market that are any good. I wish the Bucks had their number twelve retired. Do the Bucks have any number retired? Warren Sapp. Warren that's Sapp, a guess. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that would be the only one. Not Testaverde, right? I was gonna say, or uh, or Bernie Kosar, wasn't he? A, 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 was it Bernie? A, no, he was the Browns, he right? Was the Browns quarterback. He was Vinny Testaverde. Vinny so. Testaverde, yeah. yeah or the, uh, Steve. The, clock, uh, the, the Clockwork Orange. They, he, they had a guy uh, that, pl- that was a quarterback for uh, Kansas City for a while too. Steve Deberg, I think, was a Can- uh, was a Tampa Bay quarterback yeah. for a while. Too. I like that old Bucks uniform with the. Oh, the orange crush. Yeah, man. When I play Madden, they always wear the orange crush. You never see him in the cobalt. Yeah, the buccaneer with the knife in his mouth. Yeah, yeah. I, that's one of the one not of the, the uniforms of buccaneers, but that's one of the uniforms I'm pissed that they ever that, that they ever they ever '90s up, um, like or two thousands up. Wow, that one. There's another uh, uniforms that I I feel like just I I don't like like the the way that the the Anaheim Ducks changed their uniforms. I hate what um what the the sabers did to their uniforms i love the old blue and gold uh sabers uniform um that's coming back next year or a variation of it yeah hockey does this kind of crap all the time where they ruin perfectly good uniforms um yeah and and the padres famously going away from that that brown uniform ugh that that completely nondescript uh dark blue thing that they've switched to totally generic well they're going back to the brown yeah, the swinging fryer is great. Yeah, so I guess they all everybody everybody <laughs> comes take back. However you want. Everybody comes back <laughs> swinging fryers. Uh, everybody comes back around to my opinion. Like I wear flannel all the time, and it it kind of had a a re a reinvigoration in fashion. I like to think that that had more to do with me than anything else. That's terrifying, Gene. That we will <laughs> come back to your opinion. <laughs> all right. Um, well, let, let's move on because we had some homework to do this week. And uh, we had a Twitter poll out for a, a, a classic game rewatch uh, that we were going to discuss on the show this week. And uh, the Flyers won that poll, huh? Handily. They did. They did. I, I'll try to pull up the, the numbers right now. But sorry, like I said, I'll try to pull up the numbers. The, the computer's crunching the data. <laughs> uh, I'm pulling up Twitter now. But yeah, the Flyers won that comfortably. I didn't. I didn't even vote for the Flyers until like two hours left before it finished so uh you can tell even though the season is paused the flyers still have uh the imagination of the city and so what game did you pick for us and why did you pick it well i wanted something that we potentially wouldn't wouldn't remember um right so everybody is putting up that game seven of 2010 against the Bruins. That's the game that I keep seeing put on like Comcast and stuff. Yep. That was on this evening. Um, and it's a really good choice, but we all remember that we all remember exactly what happened. Exactly. Went down. We fell down three, nothing in the series, in the game, came back to win both four to three. So I wanted to pick a game where we hadn't all seen it. 
And this game was game five in that same 2010 run. Game five, Flyers versus the Canadians. And the three of us were all at a wedding that day. Yeah, but so. But Chuck, I, I'm pretty sure that they said that that game took place on a Monday. Oh, shit. <laughs> well, but... why do our friends get married on weekdays? <laughs> yeah. What? Are you sure we weren't at the wedding on during game four? Oh, probably now that you mentioned that. It's okay. I didn't remember much about this. The game. good thing about not watching game four is game four, according to this, was a loss. See, I felt like we won game Listen, Whatever game let, we were at the wedding for. Don't let the facts get in the way of a good story. We didn't see right, this do, game. <laughs> and if we did see it, I... I it was I, one I, of our I, asshole I, friends. Now I, we got a chance to see it. Yes. And um, the, the funny thing is I remembered this game. I remembered every beat of this game. So, me, because I watched it. Um, <laughs> it was... I wanted to not do the obvious choice of game seven but I want to do something from that 2010 run. And this was the Flyers winning over the Canadians in a seven over eight Eastern Conference final. So that was unique in and of itself. Um, it was also the game of the you know famous Mike Richards version of The Shift. Did you guys remember that uh, that play? So, oh, uh, would you talking about the the game the uh, the shorthanded goal? I am. Well, that whole that whole like I guess minute and a half like leading up through that, Richards basically was like a man on fire. Correct. Yeah, he was all over the place in that penalty kill. Um, in a good which, way. In a good way. All over the all over the ice in a good way, and. That was kind of Mike Richards' calling cards before the uh, oxycodone, um, but he he was a phenomenal penalty killer and led the league in shorthanded goals by a good margin. Even had a couple, you know, five on three shorthanded goals, and he was on the puck. He was bullying players. He was just dominating out there to the point where he manufactured a, you know, uh, a one on two found some space, made a one on nothing. Halak goes out of net and he just walks in behind him. It almost looked like he, he, he almost took Halak completely out of the play. Um, Halak comes way out, sprawls to try and take the puck off the stick. And it looks like Richards kind of just throws the puck on him so hard that it rebounds back to him. And basically he's able to just tuck it in for the, for essentially an empty netter. I mean, Richards was crazy impressive in that game. Even the, even the empty netter at the end of the game where he basically just, uh, I don't like out out tough guys the 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 defender just shakes him off with one arm like a man possessed uh to go down and set up that that empty netter for uh uh for carter right yeah, it was for carter it was his boy yeah um, so i mean it was just like wow Giroux, that's what a captain looks like <laughs> <laughs> i said that just to make you mad Chuck. <laughs> well i know you don't believe it if you believed it i'd be furious but um 
no, it was. I, I'm going to steal from someone on Twitter, but we really got the best of Mike Richards. You know, his he was never better than when he was with the Flyers. Even that Kings run, he was instrumental in it, but he wasn't he wasn't like a top line player. He was a role player with the Kings. Yeah, he wasn't the guy. No. I honestly think Jeff and, Carter was a better player for the Kings. Uh definitely the second cup. Definitely the second cup. Not so much the first one. Um in the long term, yes much better for the Kings. He, he's he's going to go down, you know, you know, in the Kings Hall of Fame. Richards, not so much. Yeah. Um, but for the Flyers, he was a really impressive player. And, you know, you see him out there with Pronger and just seeing the, the two of them out there, you just think of, it's weird almost seeing Pronger with the A on him. Yeah. Even though he he was only captain for half a season, but just how much history has been rewritten that it was Pronger's team. And it might have been Pronger's team, I don't know. But it just felt like when we think back to 2010, we think back to Chris Pronger. We do think of Richards. We think of the freaking goalies. Uh, we think of... Uh, Claude Giroux on the third line, you know, really making a name for himself. Danny Briere, Mr. Playoffs, Vili Leno. And Aaron Asham, man. Aaron Asham had a hell of a game in that game. He did. Uh, yeah, Aaron Asham, who I was like, I forgot this guy existed, but I knew the name like immediately. And I was like, man, you know, he looks uh, very like Inuit. And, yeah. and I, I looked him up and he is, he's like half, half Eskimo, half Canadian. And I'm like, this guy, I love this guy. <laughs> All right. Just a quick disclaimer. When you said Inuit, I thought you meant really into it. <laughs> um, you weren't thinking an ethnicity. You were thinking more of an intensity level. Yeah. <laughs> also Eskimo is viewed by some as, <laughs> As like a slur, so but not I had the to, greatest. But, but I had to. Cl- you didn't know what I meant. Well, <laughs> he's uh, First Nations is the term uh, okay, the Canadian. All right, I'm sorry. It's it's is actually uh, what is it? Metis Canadian. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I just say Inuit as well. No. Uh... <laughs> But yes, he is he is uh, a First Nations player like uh, Flyers brief head coach, uh, Craig Berube. Oh, which, it's Berube. I didn't know that. Yeah. Now think back to what's his nickname? Chief. Yep. Uh... <laughs> Less funny, more racist. <laughs> uh... Chuck, that's a very young P.K. Subban that's in that game as well, right? Is that a rookie P.K. Subban, or is that like a second-year P.K. Subban? Like, he becomes a big star, one of the ten best players in the league not long after this game. Well, yeah. Um, P.K., I think, was a rookie that year, 21 years old, P.K. Subban. Um the booing had already started because Richards thought he was uppity. Like that's really what it is. Like, you know, you will hear a lot of people justify the booing of PK Subban. Like, no, he just has a personality. 
which is not allowed in hockey. Not allowed for Canadians. Well, and, and he definitely bit his own lip to get that double minor. Oh, yeah, he did. <laughs> he probably did, yes. I can see him squeezing the blood did. out of yeah. that thing. Like, look, it's right here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that was that was PK before he was like a bona fide star. You know, and riding the bench for the Canadians is Carey Price. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and there was another old friend of mine that used to play for the uh, for the Devils, uh, Gomez. Right? That's uh, yeah. That's a former Devil. Uh, he Scott he, Gomez is he basically at the end of his uh, end of the line there for Scott Gomez? I totally forgot he was on that Canadians team. Honestly, well, he kind of forgot he was on that Canadians team. I <laughs> don't think it was 2010. I feel like it was like 2011, 2012. He um, he had gone so long without a goal, like a bar in Montreal was keeping it up there like so many days without a Gomez goal. So he, in his time in Montreal, it wasn't, you know, particularly uh, glorious. He had a very young Mike Camilleri there as well. Um brian gianta uh there so that canadians team you know 2010 doesn't feel like that long ago until you hmm. like do the math and then go that was a decade ago and yeah. a lot of these players out of the league uh ian la Perriere, you know thinking about him just as a player as opposed to a coach and somebody who's been with this through you know, and coming off what, times. like a, a concussion? It was or... famous. He was he had gone months, right, Chuck? He had been out for months with a concussion and was only back. It was one of those things where the Flyers had basically had to get to game four of the Eastern Conference finals in order for him to even get back in to play. He was it was only his like second game back, I think, is the way I understood it. Um, but well, uh, he had been out for for months. I thought I don't think he was, I don't think he was out for months. I think it was the second time that year he blocked a goal, you know, blocked a shot with his face. Mm. Ah. And this was going to be the last time he blocked a shot with his face. Um, he was back despite playing with what was going to be his career-ending injury. Um, I think it was up until the very beginning of the next season, he was playing through post-concussion sim- symptoms. And they yeah, he would have uh, never been playing any more that season if no, he would have been done nowadays, right? Nope. Yeah, not even close. Yeah, yeah. And we were on our backup goaltender too, right? Because Boosh was out. Well, I think they heard. I heard that they said that Layton had been a basically a scrap heap grab, uh, mm-hmm. like in December. Layton wasn't even on the on the roster at the beginning of the beginning of the year. Correct. So our goalies were uh, Ray Emery. He was being in brought in to be the number one goalie with Brian Boucher as his backup. And Razor had a good start for the Flyers in a year that didn't have a very good start. He ended up leaving the Flyers with a degenerative hip condition. This, everyone thought, was going to be the end of his career. I think the exact phrasing was, success from this surgery is not judged by being a professional athlete again it's judged on you know having a normal quality of life it's like walking again 
So it's the same uh, degenerative like hip condition that ended Bo Jackson's career. So Ray Emery gone. Um, we picked up uh, Michael Layton um, as a waiver addition. Uh, he was um, previously with Carolina um, and Laviolette also came in around December. And he yeah, was that, that blew my somebody... mind. Laviolette was not the coach of that team at the beginning of the year. Nope. John Stevens. <laughs> Don't let the door hit you on the way out. <laughs> I loathed John Stevens. I really did. I hated the way they played little things. Like I, I never screamed more at grown men playing hockey. Get your stick on the ice than I did during the John Stevens administration. Now, John Stevens uh, basically got that job because he had won a couple of uh, Calder cups, I guess with the, with the Phantoms when they were still in Philadelphia. Uh, he won two, one as a player, one as a coach. Um, and he got it because of the great collapse of 07, I want to say, 06, 07, where um, the league had changed. The Flyers were a big, slow team. And that was the year we finished in last place. It was the Flyers' 40th anniversary. And um, Hitchcock. Talk gone. They brought up Stevens to replace him. Um, Bobby oh, no. Clark. What's what? I said, oh no. That was my Hitchcock impersonation. <laughs> it was really good. Nice. It just sounds like generic fat man. <laughs> um, so Hitchcock gone. Uh, Clark steps down saying, I don't have the energy to do it. In comes Paul uh, Holmgren. And uh, by the end of the year, Forsberg was out. That was a, a huge turnover and a huge accomplishment by Paul Holmgren to get the team competitive again in, for the uh, 07-08 season. So uh, Stevens was with them through that run. The Flyers came out to a bad start. They canned him. They brought in Laviolette. Uh, after a 2-8 and eight run, I want to say, in the first 10 games, they really turned it around, and that, of course, was the season they made it into the playoffs on a shootout. Against the New York Rangers, I believe. Mm. Yes, indeed. Wait, so so that was this this the 2010 season they made it? No, they didn't make it in on the shootout, did they? Yep. Was that, that, that was this same season, too? That was the same season. Wow. Yeah, there, wow a lot that, happened this year. They were, <laughs> wild year. they were an eight seed, weren't they? They literally made Seven. it in on the last... Or, or, yeah, but I mean, they literally had to get in on the last game of the play of the game or play Correct. of the year. Yeah, that was Brian Boucher versus uh, Henrik Lundqvist in a team that was very good at shootouts versus the Flyers, who were not. Still, um, and I, I remember having a, a discussion with a friend watching it in a bar, going like, "Who are they going to pick for the shootout?" and I can't remember the third shooter, but it was like Danny Briere, definitely. Claude Giroux. And he's like, really? Claude Giroux? I'm like, yes, Claude Giroux. <laughs> this was when Giroux was still an up-and-comer, really made his name in the playoffs. Um, and ahead Bush of making that final save. And it was he was in ahead of... Oh, uh, so it was Richards and Carter that were the first two shooters, I guess, right? No, it was Briere. 
Uh, then it was Giroux, and I forget who the third was, to be honest with you. It might have been Carter. It seems and like I, Richards should have been really good at shootouts. Am I misremembering that he wasn't? I can't recall. I can't recall. The Flyers were not good at shootouts. Right. I credit that mostly to the fact that they had seven or eight goalies per year. So, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but also, it's just they didn't really have those kind of, of players, those you know, guys who would do all the fancy stick handling. Richards was not that player. No, Richards was never going to be that player. No, he was. He was a. He was a, a, a like uh, essentially a power guy. You know, exactly. And uh, that Flyers team had underachieved, um, and then just got their act together and and picked up people off the scrap heap. And uh, you know, it was a year of people getting divorced with uh, Danny Briere and Scott Hartnell. Um, it was just, it was a tumultuous year and it was a magical run because first round, I remember talking about that first round coming up, playing the devils and Dave to exact quote from you, you had the devils in three, uh, (laughs) the, the flyers ended up winning that I think in five. Uh, How do you remember that? I do. Rid- I just do. I remember that run. That's why. <laughs> I, I I just remember that run so clearly. Um, how, how bad do you wish that we had our group sports chat like from the, like if that existed then? Oh God, I, I I it would be a journal of just me and profanity. <laughs> um, but I that came at a great time for me. You know, I think I was what. 29 or 30 i forget what you know single had didn't no wife no children so consequently i had money and you know just being out to to celebrate that run you know the changing of the goaltenders the 3-0 comeback against um boston and at that point, it felt like we were like destined to win. And we really took it to the Canadians who had taken out everybody else. There's a reason we're not talking about the Capitals and the Penguins. Because yeah, but they were, the eight seed. they were the eight seed. I, I think it's more impressive, like the, the actual Stanley Cup final. Um, you know, we've represented pretty well against the. Uh, you know, a seriously dominant Blackhawks team. Yeah, one of the one of the better teams of that whole decade, probably. That was. Oh was yeah. That, was that the middle cup of their? Did they win three in the decade? They won three. That was the first. But I and... saw from the bottom line, they swept the Sharks in the yeah. in the Western Conference Finals. So they yeah. were just like, uh, they were rolling. They yeah. and their goaltending wasn't great either. Uh, this wasn't Corey Crawford in net. I'm blanking. Uh, the uh, Ed, Bal- Ed Belfour, right? Yeah, it was the yes, Eddie exactly. the Eagle. No. <laughs> uh, uh, Antti Niemi in net for them. Oh, yeah. And I think at one point they had Chris Ball Huey who ended up finishing the series season or his career in like Switzerland. But going on to play the Blackhawks, oh, I think that first game, and you Which guys played, remember what the it was played the same day that Roy Halladay threw a no hitter in Florida. Exactly. I was just going to ask you guys that because I was at a party and uh, they had a TV set up outdoors 
And someone was like, turn on the Phillies game. I'm like, no, dude, it's game one of the Stanley Cup final. And they had the Phillies game on inside. And more and more people were making their way inside. And I'm like, I love the Phillies. I love Holiday. <laughs> but it's and the like, Marlins nobody... and it's May. Yeah. Or June. And or... it's and it's no one wanted to say it. It was just people were gathering around, and I ended up being one of those people at, at one point. Um, but that first game was crazy against the Blackhawks, and it was like whoever was going to make the last save was going to win that game because I think they ended up pulling Niemi. Uh, we wrote it out with Boosh. I can't actually recall that. I think, actually, we maybe, yes, we pulled Leighton and put Boosh in. And they stuck with Niami, I think. And I wanted, I'm like, we got to win this game so we can get Bush in there because I hated Leighton with a fiery passion. Um, and we didn't. But if we won that game one, I think it would have been the Flyers hosting, uh, hoisting the cup that year. So with that, Probably, that series went six? That series went six. Yeah. Uh, Flyers lost at home in overtime. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, the that series is where Claude Giroux really, truly, like, in my eyes, came of age because he had a overtime game winner of a Stanley Cup game. Yep. Game three. Were you at that game, Gene? I was. I was at game That's three. That's what I thought. Yeah. yeah. And he scored scored at the, the net we were, we were sitting near, you know, high, but... Um, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, talk about an unreal moment to be in the building for. I, I, I often you'll hear people say like it, it, it feels like a roof's going to come off of a building when that when he scored that goal. I honestly thought that, uh, you know, the top of the Wells Fargo Center was going to no, no, totally it wasn't rise. Wells Fargo, Wachovia or Wachovia. Oh, <laughs> uh, did we remember we remember when we imploded the Wachovia Center and built the Wells Fargo Center? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I still have a rock from the Wachovia Center. <laughs> but no, but, and oh God. But it, it was, was just it such was, a great run. It was fun to go back to 2010. It was fun to to see how uh and 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 this was something Dave and I were talking about. Uh and I talked about a little bit at my house, actually. Um, you know, it wasn't that far removed as far as broadcast quality um for 2010. It it see, still seemed like the game that we watch today, maybe not 4k, but you know, I, if somebody had walked into my house today, they would have thought it was still a, a, a current game. Maybe um, obviously yeah. not in today's climate, but, um, but if I was to put on a game from 1990, put on a game, even from like 1999, 1998, uh, it would look like you're, you were watching a different sport um, just because broadcast quality is so much different. Um, was there anything going back and watching it, Chuck, that stuck out in your mind as far as the way the game is presented now? Uh, or was it still in your mind something, you know, they had kind of figured out the formula by 2010 and that's what we're watching now? Well, a little bit of both. The thing that stuck out to me that the presentation wasn't bad. You know, Versus got a, a bad reputation of, you know, not putting on a good show. And I didn't feel it at the time, you know, I went, oh, well, of course, they don't do things as well as Canada. And that's very true. Um, when hockey returns, if you get a chance, watch a Hockey Night in Canada broadcast, um, some TSN broadcast. Canada does an amazing job with it. And I don't know why we just don't steal it 
and do it down here, but that's neither here nor there. Um, but I was really kind of impressed with the the verses presentation. And even um, I was thinking most of the intermission shows and whatnot, the lighting was just interesting. You know, think of your NBCSN games, a clumsy name as opposed to verses. You know, verses is a little weird, but NBCSN is just a whole bunch of letters. Um, <laughs> but think of the intermission show. There's some dramatic lighting. The the people stand out as opposed to here's your generic lighting on a generic set. Let's listen to three white people talk. You know, um, although diversity and inclusion has gotten better, um, the actual filming of these intermission shows looked better. It looked a little more intriguing, honestly. So I was actually pleasantly surprised with the the quality of product on display there. Um, it was very funny because I'm so accustomed to hearing Brian Boucher between the benches now in the big games, you know, replacing Pierre Maguire only recently. If they had held the microphones a little closer, you still could have heard Brian Boucher. Yeah. <laughs> but it was it was interesting. Now I own um a couple games from that run from Amazon, uh two Stanley Cup final games. If they had the whole run available for purchase, I'd own the whole run. Um or at least just the ones where the Flyers win. Uh, so I wasn't completely thrown by it, but going back to it, it was a little odd to hear them talk about verses and just to be pleased in general with the uh, the quality of the broadcast. The quality of the play, too. It's still that post-lockout speed, but the touch-ups for the icing and all the little cheap shit that went around with that and um, the ferocity of the hits it's i mean this wasn't 90s 80s hockey but casual hits and things they'd show in clips are illegal hits now yeah you know? yeah i noticed that yeah, yeah i definitely thought that it was a little bit more of a, a more violent uh you know and it was sort of I, I i was it's been long enough now that i was like man this this seems like there should be more whistles yeah, I think if there's any if there's anything coming out of this, you know, whole experience as it relates to sports as like a silver lining or something that we could take out of it that we're missing sports right now. It's that we get to go back and and revisit some of these teams that, you know, we we once loved so much and you know, a younger generation now gets an opportunity to see some of these games that they might not have seen previously. And I know like I'm exposing my kids to some of that stuff and I'm finding that the stuff that doesn't come in at least a high definition or a, a somewhat tolerable level of definition is much more palatable than if you go back, you know, even to early nineties, uh, you know, standard definition, which is just pretty garbly and, and is difficult to look at nowadays but that but like a 2010 game it's like wow that comes through pretty clear yeah yeah it, it's not 4k but most games you watch aren't 4k right now no 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 and and even there like i like 4k sometimes i struggle to see the difference like it has to be a sure. really well shot thing to see the difference but 
no, it's respectable. And like you say, Dave, there isn't that barrier of entry. I also showed the game to my kids. Now my kids are younger, so they didn't really appreciate it. But they just thought it was the Flyers playing. Yeah, it's just yeah, it's just Flyers. And they enjoyed it. It wasn't like, what is this old show? It was just, <laughs> hey, right. the Flyers are playing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The uniforms look a little different, but, you know, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, so this week we have more homework. Um, and did we decide, Chuck? Did, were you on board with with that last suggestion? Is that what you, you were? Oh, what the the last suggestion as to what the we threw around some couple a couple of games from Phillies games. Oh um, yeah, I was on board with the last suggestion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think where we landed was we're going to check out Game Seven of the Eastern Conference Semifinals in two thousand one. So it's Game Seven, Sixers Raptors. Eastern Conference semifinals, which uh, what a what if you want to expose someone to like a, a great team, but yeah, I mean, like if you have kids or whatever and you know, haven't seen Iverson play, I mean, that's that whole run is a great, a great, you know, way to get get acquainted with AI. And yeah. uh, I'm really excited to, in particular to watch that game because I, I remember distinctly watching it, but I went to I was at a very packed bar uh with a couple of my friends and i remember it being just so loud that i never i didn't hear any of the the commentary for the game okay um so i mean i was just visual visually watching it as it was going on um so it's going to be interesting to me to kind of hear how the story of that game was being told but i i very distinctly remember being uh completely engrossed in in that whole game and uh much as i was in you know with that whole team that whole year i was kind of uh on board literally from day one and and just was completely engulfed in uh in that run so uh i'm excited to go back and 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 relive it that's that team i have uh over the years gone back I, i'm pretty sure i've watched that game a couple of times since since it happened um probably not that game actually the raptors game i've watched a lot of the games from that nba finals again you, you'll see them pop up on mt uh, nba tv if they show up on mtv that would be a very different game. <laughs> um i know mtv doesn't show music anymore but they start showing uh throwback nba games that would be a very different uh world we live in um but i also remember going back and just watching certain games from iverson's career um that show up again uh he's he was one of the more unique athletes in philadelphia to ever watch he he you can't really compare him almost anybody else in the nba he he was kind of uh just a a force of nature unto himself and if you uh if you have any sting left from the sixers raptors game seven from last season with a uh game seven buzzer beating shot maybe this one will We'll make you sleep a little easier after Maybe you watch it. Next week, we can't help ourselves on this show. <laughs> we introduced it. Then, okay, like, all right, that's enough. We'll just leave it yeah. at that. Yeah. <laughs> We're gonna do two hours on it next week. Let's Might move as well on. Let's move on then. Let's move on that part. So, uh, in honor of Animal Crossing coming out this week, uh, and and living on deserted islands. Uh, and and also in homage to High Fidelity, uh, great book slash movie, uh, we're gonna do Desert Island top fives while we're in uh, sports deprivation mode. And uh, and for this first week, we decided to do uh, Desert Island top five NES games. So that's it. It's NES games. It's eight bit NES games. No Super Nintendo games. No Genesis games. 
None of that nonsense. It's just straight up 8-bit NES. Now, Dave, do you have how many games do you think may be on all three of our lists? Do you think one? Let me two maybe be on all of our lists? I think on all three of our lists, I think there will definitely be two. Uh, I think we'll have pairs. Like, Gene, I know there's one that I think you and I will definitely have. Mm-hmm. Um, Chuck, I'm not so sure. I, I, I never know where you <laughs> land with this kind of stuff. <laughs> Aside from the, the two that I think all three of us will have, I don't know that you and I are going to match up at all. But I, I think you and I will actually match up fairly well. I'm I'm really curious to see this. Okay. So, Wanted to start at your number five, Dave, and see if... No, I want to let Gene start at number five because uh, I think I have this on my list also. So okay. I think what I have as number five will also be on Gene's list. Oh, was I supposed to rank them? Because I didn't do them in any particular order. I just have five the five games i'm i'm i would i mean i could i could kind of quick do an order sure just do it in your head what's your number five so my number five would be a game called load runner oh dude my wife loves load runner and i I, i'll give you two reasons for one thing it's real fucking hard um (laughs) because it's got like 99 levels and you you'd have to play straight through like you can't like if you die you have to go back to the beginning like you can't like pick up at level 40 or whatever uh the furthest i think i ever gotten one sitting and it took like three and a half hours was like level 22 23 uh so near half the game um but it's 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 crazy hard um the other thing that was really uh made me sink hours and hours and hours of my life into it was um you had a level builder in the game you could create Mm -hmm. your own level so that even if I was to somehow magically be able to complete this game, I could then build my own. The game would become, uh, you would, you know, as, as much as my imagination would allow me, I could create uh, levels to continue playing that game. Uh, and it was a game that I played all of the time. It was the one game that my dad and I actually would would bond over because he liked to make levels and then force me to to play them and and lose uh and he would just get his thrills at <laughs> building horrible traps to 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 thwart me so now for the uninitiated what what is this like what is the point of this game it's kind of like dig dug in a weird way if you ever played dig dug for the uh for the NES, uh for the atari uh basically you're a uh an archaeologist of sorts and uh you have the ability to with a drill to drill through certain types of terrain and uh there's it, it's a it's kind of like a like a side scroller sort of thing and as you go through the level you can't jump um but you can drill into different types of terrain that will then drop you down to other parts of the level and you have to avoid um the other monsters that are basically trying to get you and your object is for each level to collect all of the piles of gold uh, in the level right, to complete okay. it. And then once you do that, then you move on to the next level and they increase in difficulty there. There's a puzzle aspect where there's only certain ways you can get into where the gold is using your drill. And there's a kind of like a skill aspect because you have to avoid the monsters. So uh, that's why I pick load runner because of its infinite replayability. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. Chuck, why don't you go? All right. Load runner did not make my list. It didn't make my honorable mentions either. Um, at my number five, I have Super Mario Brothers 3. Uh, it was a tough choice as to which one to put on there. But, you know, for the whole Desert Island game uh, kind of thing, I wanted to have a Mario Brothers representation. It's probably 
the best of the three on uh, the NES. A lot of replayability, a lot of fun with the various types of suits. Um, you can go back. That always irks me anytime I revisit the original Mario Brothers. Like, I just want to be able to go back. Um, Mario Brothers 2 um, was a consideration, but that doesn't have the same replayability as Super Mario Brothers 3. So Mario 3 was my number one game. I thought it was the, I think it's the the best, it's the best platforming game that I've ever played on, on the NES. I, I just don't think, I mean, it controls perfectly. The imagination of the game is, is great. It can be a, it can be a, you could play it in like a long session where you just say, Hey, I'm going to play every level. You can play it, you know, more quickly. If you decided you wanted to warp, um, you know, uh, all the, the different, you know, the storage box and like, you know, having a, a rack of uh, items you can select from before you begin a level. Uh, I just thought all of it was super cool. And um, I don't know. I love it. I think feel like there's like endless amounts of secrets in there for you to figure out. Um, I don't know. I just love it. Gene, was it on your list at all? Oddly enough, I have a Mario game, but it is not Mario 3. Okay. Oh. Where you go. Good, good selection there, Chuck. Thank you. Thank you. What's your number five, Dave? So my number five is uh, Tecmo Super Bowl. That was on my list. That's actually yeah, my number I knew one. that one would be on your list. Jim. Yeah, that was actually uh, my number I one. Love. I think it's a good Desert Island game because of the season mode and the stats um, that, that it kept, which was, you know, it, it was worlds ahead of the standard Tecmo Bowl. Uh, I thought it was great that you could, you know, uh, play as every team. Uh, which is awesome, and the you know the full seasons and the and the the stats really added to it a lot. Would would you have anything to add to that, Gene? Well, it also added some other elements. You you went from having the two pass play, two run play in the original Tecmo Bowl to four pass plays, four run plays, which was you know a a, a lot more variety and and play types. Uh, it also added fumbles, which added a whole nother element to the game. Um, mm. Real so, quick, I have to just interject here for younger listeners. The fact that it's like we expanded to four play choices <laughs> and they added fumbles, like must be mind blowing. Well, but Tempo I was Bowl there with is you. basically like Rochambeau <laughs> sports. Like that's all it really is. Is like, can you guess what I'm going to do? Yes. Uh, so you know to add. To, you know four more plays to the mix it's just the i don't even know how the math works on that but a lot more possibilities but i will tell well, you when i started I playing that game yeah. with 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 other humans uh it became a lot more it felt a lot more like football then you know what i mean it, it felt a lot less like either the play worked or didn't it was a lot less of a yes no uh proposition there was a little bit more you yeah. know possibility yeah. for a broken play to work out did you do the thing when you were playing with someone like where you and I know this is a an audio only thing, but where you would like like tilt your controller away from the person that you were sitting with <laughs> just so they couldn't sneak a peek? Oh yeah, uh, I mean yeah, okay. I'm I'm fairly convinced that the the only time I ever I, I had a friend who was a, a 
guy I grew up in the neighborhood with. His 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 mom worked at our school, and 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 I would walk to his house anytime we would have a half day or whatever. And uh, we didn't speak for three weeks over the fact that I believed that he was Belichicking my controller. <laughs> I was checking before Belichicking was a thing. No, seriously, I thought he had set up a camera and was was somehow able to see what I was choosing. Uh, like I could, he 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 was just a savant, I guess. But uh, yeah, and I wouldn't. Go, I told him like when you know after that event, like after he beat me like forty eight nothing or something one day, I was like, I'm never playing this game with you again. I never did. Well, we were still friends, but I never played Tecmo Super Bowl with him again. Okay. <laughs> Damn. All right, Gene, what do you got for number four? Number four, I have uh, a game called Vegas Dream. Anybody play Vegas Dream? I played Vegas Dream. Vegas Dream was, <laughs> you know, the standard. You go into a casino and you have all of the casino games oh, at your I played that. at your at your disposal. You had Kino. You had blackjack. Uh, it taught me how to play roulette. Um, it, I mean, other than the strategy of always bet on black. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to Thank think you, what, what other what other casino games there were. But they, I mean, there were so many different games, and um, you would keep a running. You had a personality. You would keep a running total of your money. But what really separated this game from the other games was you would have interactions <laughs> with other players in the casino. Con, you know, computer non-playing characters, and they would come up and they would usually ask to borrow money for some various uh, endeavor they were getting into. Oh, my mom's sick. Can you give me $500? Or uh, I have a business proposition. Will you give me $1,000? And then depending so on... So was Wesley Snipes in the game? There was a guy that kind of looked like Wesley Snipes. <laughs> they don't use any names, but... Um, so you would you would you would make these decisions and then sometimes you would just give them money it would come out of it and, and then you know you'd you'd play a few more rounds of whatever game you were playing and then they would come back later and either something bad would happen um you know or something good would happen and it gave this kind of almost like a role playing element to this pretty standard uh casino game but again one this was a game that had infinite replayability and my brother and I um we we just we sunk hours and hours, and this was a game that he, that we had bought for my dad so that he would have a Nintendo game. But then huh. we we just spent hours and hours devoted into it. It was one of the few things that my brother and I actually got along with, where him and I would sit and you know I was really good at roulette and he was really good at blackjack, and we would kind of switch on and off and um, kind of like tandem play the game. Uh, and that was another game that I literally could have just played forever because you're just playing casino games. Um, so that was one that I thought was a, a great Nintendo game and um, I would take with me if I was on a desert island. All right, pretty cool. All right. Uh, number four on my list is Ghost and Goblins. Wow, you you would hate you hate yourself. I'm on a desert island. I'm gonna oh. beat this damn game. Okay. I'm choosing it for the challenge. I always enjoyed it, but I mean it is if you haven't picked up yet, it is an excruciatingly hard game. And uh, it's fun, great atmosphere, um, but it's something, if I have the time, I'm going to finally beat Ghosts and Goblins. Yeah, man, that game, I think that game ate up some of my controllers. 
just me getting like so so pissed off and I, I think more than anything it's the 8-bit slowdown when like too many characters are on the screen uh, that really ticked me off with that game because it happens <laughs> constantly but I, yeah. I would imagine if you were on a desert island and you got used to it um, I don't know figure it out see that couldn't work for you because you'd be out of controllers like <laughs> I know right you get the one the controller seat. I can't do it <laughs> All right, uh, number four for me is uh, Tetris. That is my number one. Okay, that's, yeah, yeah. I don't know what it is about that. I mean, just just play it all the time. It's the most perfect puzzle game ever created. There's a reason that you see it show up in every single iteration. There's a reason that I can't stop playing Tetris 99 right now. (laughs) um it's great it's a good th- you know i mean like it it'll keep pushing you and pushing you and pushing you uh until you can't handle it anymore so it's good for that desert island aspect of it and just you know i mean w- when you play it so much and then you start to dream about the pieces i mean like that's a that's a good game yeah and and the the great thing about that nintendo version a the soundtrack Dun 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 dun. It's the introduction introduction of Russian music to the United States, and I still associate the various colors of the various levels with difficulty. If I see something that it's in that, you know, like burgundy and ice blue combination, there I know that. You know, I'm in a middle level around five or six, you know, something that was challenging, but not overwhelming. Um, Yeah, Tetris is a a perfect puzzle game. It's like playing solitaire. It's like someone invented just this ultimately replayable thing that, you know, you don't beat Tetris. You don't go, oh, I know the trick to Tetris. Right. I don't need to play it again. Tetris is endlessly enjoyable. Yeah, and if you can get enough lines on level 20, you can make your friends do stupid shit. <laughs> uh, what do we got? Gene number three? Is that where we're going now? Uh, I, I have uh, two left on my board. Uh, my number one is gone. Um, the Mario that I included... Wait, I, what was your number one? Uh, my number one was Tecmo Super Bowl. Oh, oh okay. All right, great. Um, so we all guessed each other's number ones. Yeah. Cool. Um, my, uh, the Mario that I have on my board is Mario brothers Two, And it's simply because a, it was a di- It was the most different of the games. Um, it, it just really was really unique as far as platformers go. And I was so much better at Mario brothers two than I was at any of the other Mario games. Um, and I, that's probably a very personal, uh, taste. I, I, I like all of the Mario brothers games. Um, but I was, when I got Mario Brothers 2, it was like somebody had made a game, finally made a Mario Brothers game for me to be good at. And um, that was the first Mario Brothers game I beat, actually. I went, I had to go back after I beat Mario Brothers 2 and finally beat Mario Brothers 1. Um, so that's why I would take Mario Brothers 2. Strictly personal bias. Uh, w- which character was your go-to? Toad. I was a Toad guy. Your toga, the fast, yeah. the fast veggie puller. Fast veggie puller. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there were certain, you know, I think to a certain degree, there were there were, there were ever, all of the um, 
most people are probably Princess or Luigi's because you get that kind of extra flight time. But uh, I, I feel like, you know, after a, a lot of years and years of, of trial and error, I, Toad, the benefits outweighed for him, <laughs> outweighed everything else. <laughs> I was a Mario guy. I liked all my stuff equal. I want to be a well-rounded, uh, I don't know, plumber. <laughs> uh, uh, Princess Peach, that yeah. float option, uh, really redeemed. Was she Peach then, or was she Princess? I don't Toadstool? think she was. I think she was Princess Toadstool. Yeah. Still, I don't think she was Peach. <laughs> she get the name change in with the uh, the local board. Well, yeah. and the, <laughs> the, the interesting thing King. is, I I think if if you look at um, uh, canon for Mario, isn't Mario two essentially all a dream? Isn't that how that is? It is, that is correct. Yeah. Spoilers. Yeah. yeah, it's all. And a Mario dream. three is just a play, so only one of them actually happened. Yep. And don't we have the uh, the sexually fluid Birdo in Mario two? Yes, I, I think he's more gender fluid. I don't know <laughs> whatever what uh, yeah, sexual I, I, preferences. I, sorry, but, I, <laughs> but uh, I mean, I don't know if they get into that. It's like I think uh, they do. They get into it in the instruction manual. Well, they got into it in the manual of like Birdo was a boy, but where is pink and where is bows or something? <laughs> but it didn't get into like no, Birdo likes more threesomes, than... <laughs> and if you spit in his mouth, like he's done. <laughs> Just a quick reminder, you might not want to listen to this show with your kids. <laughs> Hold on. Birdo. Hold on. Birdo. This is from the instruction manual. Birdo, he thinks he is a girl and he spits eggs from his mouth. He'd rather be called Birdetta. Well, then, like, there you go. Are we dead naming Birdo here? Sorry, Birdetta? Like, yes. Okay, well, fine. We so we we will respect Birdetta's choices and and, and properly that's what gender. I'm, that's all Birdetta. I'm saying. Yep. Okay. I just thought you know, like it was an interesting thing to see in the instruction manual when I was you know eight, eight years old. It was. It was. <laughs> Eye opening. Um, <laughs> I, I I have one more left on my board. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, I can you hold off while it. we go around? Oh yeah yeah yeah. I I got lost I, in, in 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 the turn here. Oh, I think I might get it with this. Uh, number three on my board, baseball stars. I had it as an honorable mention. That on that is not on my list, but it was it was pretty great, pretty great. Chuck, why is that one on your or on your list though? There there, there's a lot of reasons to have that game in there. Um, because it was a sports game and like a role playing game all in one. Mm -hmm. Um, it felt so ahead of its time with the you have the dollar amount you can you know improve players statistics uh i think you negotiated for salary as well in there or something along those lines or had to balance their their salary um the baseball mechanics were fun and kind of simple you know as baseball games advanced like you know maybe maybe they're good now but there was a long period where it's like uh, baseball is a game of losses, man. You know, <laughs> and you just go up there and strike out. Um, so the baseball mechanics were fun and, you know, simple enough. I loved baseball stars. There was so much 
replayability of that game and it was so ahead of its time like i didn't know my nintendo could do that yeah i loved it i mean for all the reasons that i liked tecmo super bowl i loved baseball stars it was it was my favorite baseball game on the on the system um I'm trying to think of like what other baseball games that I liked on the NES and I can't really think of them. But I mean the only the only downside to that is it wasn't MLBPA licensed so you didn't have the actual names of the players. Yeah, yeah I get that. And but... they had kind of like the if I remember correctly they had like a I guess either the team you were or one of the teams you could select or you would build from a pool of players. And and some of them certainly had characteristics that could be inferred to be either current players or uh, classic players. I remember that mm-hmm. a, a friend of mine had it. And, and I remember us talking about these players as if they had these characteristics of like Mickey Mantle and Babe Ruth and and, and stuff like that. Um, yeah, but it was that, it, that game was in, insanely ahead of its time. Yeah, I'm I'm surprised that it it wasn't on either one of your lists. But once you said Tecmo Super Bowl, or it's Super Tecmo Bowl, um, I was like, well, that's probably gonna hit the the sports quotient. Yeah. Um, all right, my number three I have as uh, is Metroid. <sighs> that was the hardest one for me to leave off. That is uh, my number five. Yeah, a game a game I still have never beaten. Uh, although I've made a couple of runs at it uh, in adulthood, I think uh, a desert island would be a good time for me to spend a lot, a lot, a lot of quality time. I'm just really for some. There's something about this game that I'm really disciplined in never looking up how to beat it or <laughs> any kind of secrets or anything like that. Uh, and it's just, I mean, it's insanely hard. It's it's an awesome atmospheric game. It's very creepy. It's probably the probably the scariest nes game in in my opinion just based on its loneliness and i would be able to really identify with samus being alone <laughs> on my desert island oh i so. i remember one of my the, my distinct childhood memories was i had a, a friend of mine that i went to grade school with who was sort of a a video game wizard and he was the one who could actually complete all of these games he was the only human person i have ever met that actually beat uh, the Ninja Turtles NES game, uh, not Ooh. the one that was the arcade version, like the actual NES Ninja Turtles game, um, without Game Genie. Um, but he, I remember, we he had it was like his tenth birthday, eleventh birthday. We, you know, there was like six of us that had 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 hung out all day on a Saturday into a Saturday night, and uh, like at midnight, like almost the stroke of midnight, we were all huddled in the basement and he finally beat Metroid. And I remember basically uh, we were willing to, we were going to take him and and make him king of of the um, America. Like we couldn't imagine that there was anybody who was as good at anything as he was as good at video games. So um, yeah, no, that was, that was a, that was a, you know, there were certain games and Metroid and Ninja Turtles, those were games that were, pantheon if you were able to you know defeat these games you you achieved a certain level of legendariness in childhood gene what's the last game on your list uh one of the few things that uh i am you know if if you could put these things on resumes to get jobs i feel like this is one of the things that i would would put on my resume i'm Um, intrigued i don't i don't know that i could do it now but i did do it uh when i was 13 uh, it is the original 
Legend of Zelda. I have completed the original Legend of Zelda. I did it um, somewhere between seventh grade and eighth grade. And uh, I remember taking a picture of the screen at one time, uh, which I have no idea where that photograph is, but I do I did have it of me completing it. And um, yeah, I would. Um, I, I don't think that there's a, a game, even to this day, that I logged more time with than I did with the original Legend of Zelda. Um, it is and was my favorite Christmas present I ever got was when that I opened up that gold cartridge for the first time. It was literally like I, I had never seen anything quite like that. Um, and uh, I, would, I, I wouldn't want to take my Nintendo. If my Nintendo was there, it, it wouldn't feel right not to have that with me um, because it was, you know, it was as close to, uh, to, my, to my mind, it was as close to a perfect game uh, as has ever been uh, made. And even having completed it, I still feel like, there was more to do, and um, you know, I would, you know, it's one of those things where I, I, sh I should probably go and get one of those uh, uh, retcon players and give it another run. You know, I've got time now. Yeah, I uh, I finished that on my uh, NES Classic Edition not not too long ago, and it, I mean, it holds up great. It's, uh, you know, it 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 would be fun on a desert island because you know it, it sparks exploration. You get a full second quest after you uh after you complete it with everything just kind of like re re-randomized i suppose um i mean it's the original man it sparked the whole a whole cavalcade of games after it it's just it's awesome yeah zelda's great zelda was also on my list it's the game i figured that all three of us would have and he figured correctly it was number two on my list as well um it, it's a phenomenal game it's Everything you guys said, it, it really sparks the imagination. Um, so much fun. Still hard, but not hard in such a way that um, you, you feel like it's a technological limitation. It just doesn't hold your hand as much as uh, a lot of modern games do. I beat it uh, on the Wii U. I was going to say not too long ago, but given the fact that I was playing on the Wii U. It was it was a while ago, um, but it's it's a great game. It is it felt like a mature game. You know, when I was a kid, Mario was for everybody. The Legend of Zelda, that was for like big kids. That was for like, you know, preteens to adults. The Legend of Zelda was a phenomenal game. Um, probably one of the, the greatest series of video games of all time just for consistency and quality of game i just remember turning it on and going like um okay uh what 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 do i do yeah <laughs> like, what, what am i supposed to be doing and like, i would read the instruction book. it's like triforces pieces of a try okay but what about like i get the sword but now what do i do I'm like okay i'll make <laughs> money i'll go buy it but what do i what do i do and it took it took a while as you know being a you know seven or eight year old to figure out like oh okay i go to these play camp you know, put them all together yada 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 so it was like a long long time uh before i you know gene you know this that sense of accomplishment of beating that game was like man i solved the total mystery whatever does anyone have any games left you've got no, all i think we covered them all yeah you got my five uh anything uh shocked i'm actually shocked no one had mike tyson's punch out i'm shocked that you did not have Mike Tyson's punch out. 
Um, on my honorable mentions, the very first thing that came to mind when this topic was suggested was Castlevania three. That's yeah, that's the Vania I was going to put on there. Yeah, that one I spent so much time playing. Like it was just thoroughly enjoyable. Um, the uh, the Ducktales. I was going to say that when I when when I was thinking through it, the only other thing other than. Uh, maybe Mega Man 2, um, DuckTales was the only other game I really... And I, the strange thing is I never owned DuckTales. Uh, I don't know why my mother let me just keep renting it week after week and didn't just... Like, <laughs> we're just going to buy it. like, And then you can stop telling me to go to the grocery store. Yeah, <laughs> DuckTales is great. Uh, Mega yeah, Man 2 is on my honorable mentions Mega Man 2 well. for me too. I mean, 2 and 3 are both really great, uh, but I preferred Mega Man 2, actually. Yeah, 2 is harder. If I remember correctly, so and then Kid Icarus was the last of my honorable. Oh god, that game, man! I hate that game. <sighs> For the same reason that uh, Ghost and <laughs> yeah, Goblins. Ghost and Go- the thing that pisses me off about Kid Icarus is like, why is it the hardest it's going to be the second you turn it on? <laughs> like that game is weird because it gets easier as you go through it because you get stronger and like the enemies don't necessarily match your strength. It's like the second you turn it on, like this is what is as hard as it will be. And it's just really discouraging to, I try to do it with like save states and stuff. And it's, even then it's still it's still a mother to, to, to get there. Anyway. The, the other one I thought about was the first game I ever beat um, was Kung Fu, the original Kung Fu. You um, beat Kung Fu? I don't yeah, think I've ever beat Yeah, Kung yeah I beat, I beat oh, Kung, I beat Fu. Kung Fu. Yeah, because it's only cool. like four levels. Oh, that's right. That's right. I, I Yeah, I, yeah, I guess I've beaten that. Legend of Kane. Not, Legend of Kane's a great game. Not Karate yeah. Champ. Karate Champ was garbage. Like, it was okay in the, in the arcade, but Karate Champ on... NES was horrible. That's but, another one like I never understood because I think you really needed to like read all the instructions yeah. and have it all mapped out for you. I, I just was like, I'm not. I don't get these controls. The, the the funniest thing about that is, do you remember Rambo for the NES? Yes. Okay, so I got that as a first communion present, Rambo, <laughs> and um, I got it. It's an RA movie, by the way. Go. I did. Well, I mean, if you're raised by my father, this would make sense. You guys heard his episode. You know what he's like. Um, well, it's also the 80s. We yeah, had exactly. This would have been on. 1986, 87. So <laughs> I take that game out, immediately get home, unwrap it, take it out. And and if you remember, the you start like on this army base, and you have to figure out how to get to the jungle. Well, I ran around and ran around. You're spo- There's little pots on the ground that you're supposed to stand on that are directional that you, you know, push up or down to take you to the next screen well i i didn't know that at the time my father came in and started to try to figure out he didn't couldn't figure it out he was so angry he went back to toys r us the next day (laughs) and you know we go in there and he throws a fit at some poor guy who's behind the cage where they had the nintendo games luckily (laughs) and i'm not even making this up the girl who was also working she happened to know how to do it so she comes outside and is drawing on a notebook like basically the er- the early screens of Rambo to teach my father how to play Rambo on the NES. And then we took that notebook paper home and went back and like it was like mind blowing. Like, oh, my God, we're at a nose screen. And then we got to the jungle and you have to fight snakes and stuff. It was a shitty game. But like in my house, like just getting that far. It was it was incredible. 
It was, and it's one of my favorite memories of my That's father. Right. Like, how can you sell this to children? <laughs> I am an adult, and I don't understand. This is about Rambo, right? Isn't there supposed to be killing? There's no killing in this game. Let me guess. Did LJN make that game? LJN did make that game. <laughs> and and bef before we move on to Chuck's long overdue penalty box, I just need to ask, please, Gene, tell me you were still in the first communion outfit of like white shirt, <laughs> white tie. White. Well, and my that's... mom made my first communion. So it was like homemade white shoes, like, well, not homemade white shoes, but white shoes, white socks, homemade white pants, white cummerbund with a white vest, white flower, white jacket, the whole kit and caboodle. Now, the other thing that was strange about my first communion year is I was just like, days maybe a week outside of chicken pox so um yeah so i was also like had lost weight so it didn't quite fit the way it was when my mom had originally put me in it so yeah it was ridiculous all right well on that note it's time to confess your sins in chuck's penalty box <laughs> he didn't say his penance this is first holy communion dave i'm <laughs> You're, who's Put me in, in the sacrament belt? penalty box then. Sorry. Jeez. All right. Well, oh, geez. Now we're taking the Lord's name in vain, aren't we? All right, Dave, who's in your penalty box this evening? All right. I am putting... Um... Oh, hell. Where'd it go? I'm putting... <laughs> <laughs> I'm putting the classic Phillies TV YouTube channel in the penalty box. So I'm trying to watch the NLCS from 1993 game one and it's on classic Phillies TV YouTube channel, which evidently is some dude who converted his VHS tapes from Miami, Florida onto YouTube. And uh, it's a four hour long video. Cause it's the entire game. It's complete with commercials. And in the eighth inning, the the cable the, the the film the video totally craps out his VHS craps out it's like white snow and <laughs> for the rest of the game how could you post that video I mean you got to be kidding me you're the classic Phillies TV channel and you're gonna show a a, a, a pivotal game in the franchise's history. And in the eighth inning, just shows snow for half an hour with no even audio with it. It's just <laughs> classic. I had to go find another video and then fast forward three and a half hours. So, real quick, Dave, which one did you share with Gene and I? The one that craps out or the good one? I didn't share. I, oh, the one that craps out. That's what I thought. <laughs> But we didn't anymore. decide to watch that one, so leave me alone. <laughs> That's right. I'm sorry, guys. I've broke. Um, so, Philly's Classic TV Network. <laughs> your name says so official that Dave is insulted by your lack of professionalism. Pay your prism bell. You're getting a four-minute double minor for, for blue-balling Dave <laughs> 1993 Phillies. Gene, who is in your penalty box this evening? Well, since we were watching a Flyers game from the spring, early summer of 2010, I decided to put in what was driving me the most crazy in the spring of uh, 2010, and that was a volcano in Iceland. 
Uh, in the spring of 2010, if you guys remember, a volcano in Iceland decided to erupt and interrupt air traffic for most of the spring and early summer. And um, my wife had decided, or uh, girlfriend at the time, had decided to fly to Dublin, Ireland to visit her roommate from college who uh, lived lived there. She was going to graduate school. And uh, what ended up happening was she got stranded in Ireland for like four extra days. And I had to be basically on call because at any point she may be flying back to the country. Um, so because of... That, I decided, since I wasn't doing this then, I can finally put that goddamn volcano in the penalty box. So for that, uh, I'm going to I'm gonna just make a, a, an attempt at the volcano beneath Ia Jafala Ajulkul, uh, which was an ice cap in Iceland. Wow. That's not even close. I don't know. Yeah, but um, so, yeah, it, uh, when, uh, it happened between uh, April 2010 through the month of May. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> Fuck you, <laughs> Volcano. What do you got for that, Chuck? It's Iceland. The only good thing you ever gave us was Bjork. And you're getting two minutes for her swan dress and a game misconduct for stranding a girl in Ireland and inconveniencing Jean a decade ago. Chuck, who's in your penalty box? Quickly, uh, we're deteriorating fast. <laughs> um, it's. I thought you were actually going to steal it. It's. Sorry, <laughs> I'm sorry. I thought I thought you were going to steal it. It's for classic games that give you way too much information. Some people watching classic games know all the details, but others like don't. They just know it's a good game and it has some history. <laughs> so, <laughs> the description of the uh 2010 flyers at bruins uh replayed uh, before we recorded this evening through comcast i'm trying people i'm really trying philadelphia at boston in game seven of the eastern conference semifinals the flyers overcame a three-goal deficit to edge boston 4-3 capping philadelphia's 3-0 series comeback simone gagne united the game winner Oh like, my god. Like just put the whole freaking box score up. Like so when you're playing classic games, don't give us too much information. It's a five minute measure. <laughs> you're ruining things. I'm muting myself for the rest of the show. All right, that's all the time we have for today. Uh, join us next week where, you know, we're going to review the uh, Easter conference semifinals game seven Sixers versus Raptors. Uh, and hopefully something else comes up uh, between now and then from the sports world that we can uh, talk about. We'll also have another desert Island top five uh, and uh, be sure to uh, rate review and subscribe to the show. If you haven't done so already on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts, also check us out on social media facebook twitter and instagram if you have any more time in your podcast listening day be sure to check out the whip around our sister's show and uh well have a great day at work everybody if you're still going to work other than that have a great day at work if you're working from home we'll see you next monday we're out of here for another marathon show thank you for speeding through the end that makes up for the hour and a half that was the rest of the show enjoy your work. time somewhere bye <laughs>